and welcome to the Enchantress Society with Tia Johnson, a place where you get to be you, where you get to unlock your magic in a sacred and judgment-free zone. The Enchantress Society is your witchy sisterhood of enchanting women who guides and supports you along your spiritual journey from the mundane to the magical. I invite you to sit for a spell as I interview guests and spill the spiritual tea on how we can create the magical life we deserve. Hello, hello, hello. We have an amazing guest today and I cannot wait to dive into this topic because I've experienced some amazing changes. I know you will because Evelyn is a magician. I don't know. She has something. (laughs) She's pretty awesome. So let's get to it. We will be discussing healing from childhood wounds and generational trauma with transformational life coach Evolve with Evelyn Huynh. And her website is evolvewithevelyn.com. No worries, because I'm going to put all of her social media and website info in the description of this episode so you can connect with her. Evelyn is a transformational, as I was mentioning, life coach that specializes in inner child and generational trauma healing. She helps people break through their fears, obstacles, and limiting beliefs so that they can achieve their wildest dreams. Through NLP, clinical hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy, and time techniques, Evelyn helps passionate leaders strengthen and heal their relationship with themselves and activate their own voice so that they can reclaim their power and step into the life they desire. Evelyn is a transformational, oh, sorry. (laughs) That's an inside joke, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We're just on repeat. Okay, sorry. Evelyn's amazing. Check her out. Okay, she's here to help us heal and all that jazz. So, Evelyn, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, so... I talked a little bit about you in the previous episode. I don't know if you remember. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't know if you remember Lola from uh, Summon of Slay, but she was my roomie at the Omni. And so we did a recap of the summit and we talked about how you just flipped us upside down and healed us. (laughs) Oh my God. I did not know that. Now I'm like, oh, I need to go check out that episode. (laughs) <laughs> no worries but that's is that's just a testament of you know who you are the power of your work and uh the story I gave was <clears throat> how first I wasn't going to go because I thought oh I had a great childhood which is going to lead me to my first question with you so I th- at first I thought oh I had a great childhood I don't have to go to you know heal childhood wounds but something said go And then Lola said, well, I'm going to go, you know, let's check it out. So we go up there and in your opening (laughs) words, (laughs) you said, even if you had a great childhood, this is for you. And I just felt that to the core, like, oh, gosh, she got me. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to start there. And then when you let us do the guided meditation, like, oh, my gosh. So later on at night. 
uh, I heard the words, you are healed. And here's how I saw the physical manifestation of not, not just the information that you gave us, which the listeners will be learning about, but also the meditation you took us through. So I would think like, oh my gosh, if I go with a group of people, someone's going to leave me behind. Like it's going to happen and I'm going to have to play it off because I'm an adult and I'm not supposed to show this fear. But as I was waiting for Lola, that didn't happen. Eventually she came out the elevator. I was just waiting for her. She was talking to some people and she comes out the elevator eventually. And I just felt calm, cool and collective. And I thought, holy shit, Evelyn, you healed something in me I didn't know needed to be healed. So my first question for you is, what are some of the things that you have to debunk? Because I know you debunked a huge one for me (laughs) in your practice (laughs) that people need to know, because I know people listening to this need it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. First of all, thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, ever since I dabbled into this work, I mean, it was it was because like. I, I was all sorts of fucked up and I didn't even know it. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the, the precisely the problem, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I know, I was never taught mindset. I was never taught right. what inner child or mental health was at school. Like we were taught like in math class, like, you know, hypotenuse and MS plus three and all this <laughs> shit that like literally right. I'd never use in, in life. But then as I got older, going into creating my own business even in my own finished journey, like I was 197 pounds. I was suicidal when I was in high school. I self-harmed. I was constantly in toxic relationships, like really bad relationships, had low self-worth. Like I had so much trauma, but I didn't even know what trauma was. Right. Mm. And looking back, it's like, oh, well, you know, my parents are together. They're loving. I know that they love me. And I think that's where you resonated with me because we don't realize how much we suppress and also repress from childhood because Mm -hmm. the number one thing that our subconscious mind does is that it wants to protect us. So it Mm -hmm. actually represses memory with unresolved negative emotions. That's why we don't remember those not so great things. And so the only memories that we consciously remember are like, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. But when you really spend some time with childhood, you start to realize one, I actually don't remember much of my childhood before the age of seven Two, why do I have all these self-sabotaging behaviors? Why am I mm-hmm. so afraid of being left behind? Why am I so like, why do I always get FOMO? Why do I have to always feel like I need someone to validate me? Why am I so scared to do X, Y, and Z? Why am I so fearful to try new things? Like we don't actually take the time to question why these things happen. We just live in it. Right. So I Mm -hmm. kept putting myself in toxic relationships. I kept fighting with the people around me. I was constantly scared of being left behind. And so I think the number one thing to debunk is like, we are all struggling so much when we actually don't have to, but Mm -hmm. a lot of us aren't allowing ourselves to actually come to terms with the fact that, wow, I might have had a great childhood and I might've also had childhood wounds as well it doesn't have to be either or you know what I mean Hmm. yeah and, and that's so important and I love how you talked about our memory <laughs> you know because right. we don't really remember much we have these little maybe 60 second snippets of a memory maybe you know like I have a memory of being in a white dress at a wedding you know like again little snippets so yeah, a lot of things happen to us over the years. And like you said, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. 
And in, you know, society, we don't, it's, it's like twofold. It's almost like we don't have enough time because some of us are in the hamster wheel and then we're not having conversations with ourselves because for some people it's hard. I mean, it's, it was hard for me. I ugly cry sometimes, you know, (laughs) it's not fun, (laughs) but you know, a lot of these conversations and reflections aren't happening and that's a bit unfortunate. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, a lot of us had parents that escaped war, survived Mm -hmm. communism, suffered through the recession, genocide, Holocaust, whatever it may be. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us lost our childhoods very, very young, especially those of us in the BIPOC community. Like when Mm -hmm. you have family that, you know, didn't originate in Northern America, there is a whole other layer of adversity that we've had to experience. So from a really young age, we've been in the survival mode, right? We've been Mm -hmm. kind of like, we were forced to grow up a lot earlier. And I think that's the thing is that a lot of us don't spend enough time with ourselves because we're always like, just needing to survive, like focus on the next thing. And then because a lot of us have wounds and trauma, we will just stay busy to avoid those things like we'll numb ourselves to avoid that pain because we know that somewhere deep down like oh there is a lot of stuff but like hey I can like run it run by it like I I can I can keep that in the past like I'll just shove all that stuff in the closet and never look at it Mm -hmm. and then we kind of dissociate a little bit you know right absolutely and I think more people need to learn more about who they are one of the things that I really appreciated about your session was how you were just so comfortable with explaining who you are, explaining mm. like, here's how I got to this point, even with the, the generational um, background of, you know, like you were saying, what your parents had to deal with. I think that's so important because I know when I meet people and I have friends of all different backgrounds and sometimes they keep it a secret you know, not in, mm. in a in a way of shame, but just like a protection because they have to be some like an, an extra person, I guess, is what I'm saying in society. So what are some tips you can give people to start getting more comfortable with their skin so they can begin to have these conversations with themselves? Yeah, well, the first thing is actually to spend time with yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think you were just touching on this a little bit earlier. We don't give ourselves that time. We're constantly busy. You know, I work with a lot of moms specifically, and especially when you're a mom or you have a dog and you're caring for another living being, it's so easy to put yourself second and put yourself even last sometimes. But like, I'll be honest with you for the longest time, like I was not my own best friend. Like I was, I, I, I hit under this mask of I'm a, I'm an extrovert. And I was constantly around people. I hated doing things alone. I just couldn't, because I had such a messed up relationship with myself. I could not meditate. Like I got so much anxiety. Anytime I tried, it was almost like that stillness was so uncomfortable. I needed to be busy. I needed my life to be like stressful and chaotic. Cause that's what was normal for me. I grew up in a very chaotic and stressful environment. And that's what mm-hmm. happens with like inner child and generational trauma. Like if you grew up in a stressful environment or you had a in- stressful in utero environment, like while your mom was pregnant with you and she was stressed all the time, that's all, you know, to be. So being mm-hmm. alone and with yourself, that can be really uncomfortable. So I, I always recommend like, one, go meditate, 
if that's uncomfortable for you, go and do learn to do activities alone. Start small. Go on a walk by yourself. Go to the gym by yourself. Go and dance in your bedroom by yourself. It might be really uncomfortable at first, but it's just like a muscle. The more that you consistently do it, the easier that it becomes. So I went from being this person who hated being alone because I couldn't stand my own thoughts to now I'm like, okay, I'm more of an extroverted introvert. Like I need my alone time because I realize like that's where my peace comes from. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it, it completely does because what you are saying is, you know, the best thing to do are the free things that people tend to skip, <laughs> you know, go for yes. the walk sit with yourself you know there are so many ways we can you know tap into that portion of us to we get to that point where we're thinking you know what screw all this extra stuff this noise okay Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get to the root of me and Mm -hmm. and then that person just becomes magnetic you know Mm -hmm. like for example when when you were in the room I just automatically spotted you like it was just like oh Evelyn and I thought oh my god you gotta ask her if she wants to be on your podcast <laughs> because you know you, you work so hard on yourself it's it's just a higher frequency and so yeah yeah so w- what you were explaining it just it resonates wholeheartedly and i think that's part of the reason why now a lot of people aren't going back to their old jobs because 2020 caused a lot of people to sit down <laughs> in some oh, ways yeah. and think yeah <laughs> Well, here's the thing is that like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure our parents are similar in the sense that like they grew up on this ideology and this belief that you could only be a doctor, a lawyer, um, mm-hmm. government official, work your nine to five. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with any of those occupations. But, you know, we also, you and I grew up in this inter- IT revolution. I study sociology. Like we mm-hmm. just had Instagram in 2009. Like before that social media wasn't even a thing. Like mm-hmm. I just remember when Facebook was in its like beta phases and now right. generations are growing up with social media. So there's, there's an ample amount of opportunity that exists out there. And I think people are slowly starting to recognize that like, there's a new way of like this new paradigm has been created and the old paradigm is no longer working anymore. And people are either like they're faced with either, do I stick in this old paradigm an old way of thinking and living Mm -hmm. and operating Or am I going to continue evolving and step into this new paradigm? And that's where we kind of see the tension right now, because there's a lot of people that are getting so shaken up that they're scared because all the ways that they knew how to operate and live are being shaken up, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you don't evolve, it's like you're going to be stuck in time and you're going to see so many other things around you speed up. So yeah, that was a, a huge concern for me, which is why I'm so glad that, you know, personal growth is becoming more of a thing now because the last thing I want for anyone is to be stuck in this situation because they didn't have a conversation, like that deep conversation with themselves. Well, and exactly what you're saying. And that's why so many people still struggle. Like suicide rates have gone up the ass within the last two years, especially Mm. with this pandemic. And there's really little to no support for people mentally and emotionally. People are, that's why I always say like people are struggling more than they have to because they are not given these tools. And that's why 
you know, one of my main goals is to, I love speaking and I love being in front of like so many people and sharing this work because that can create a ripple effect. Cause you know, with you coming to someone to say like, thank you for Jamie for having me there, like her choosing mm-hmm. to have me there. And then me speaking in front of like 50 to 70 people, you being one of those many now mm-hmm. started sharing about this on your podcast, which is now creating a ripple effect of more people being aware of this. And that's mm-hmm. where we get to create that ripple effect of healing. But it's like, why are we not teaching this from where it starts? Like the education right. system, you know? Absolutely. And it's it's really sad because so much time is spent indoors and it's not even made to be pleasing to the senses like if if we had to be indoors for eight hours a day why can't it at least be colorful and welcoming and you know inviting so you want to learn because just like you were saying a lot of things that we learn don't apply (laughs) in our lives and I I remember now the teacher saying you're not going to have a calculator with you when you're out in the real world now look (laughs) at us (laughs) you know it's just like (laughs) okay um (laughs) Oh, God. I know it's, 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 it's crazy. So what are some of the questions or even one, a question you wish more people would ask you about, you know, the, the healing, the childhood wounds or even dealing with generational trauma? Oh, that's a really great question. What questions <laughs> do I wish more people asked me of? Um, honestly, the first thing is I just wish pe- more people ask questions. The Mm. common questions that I get is, and the people who kind of like resonate with my content, they'll be like, okay, well, I hear what you're saying, Evelyn. How do I, I want to remember things from my childhood, but I don't know how. And that's a really great question. But I think Mm. if, if I could have it my way, people would just make it second nature to ask questions. Cause that is precisely Mm. the problem Tia, is that people don't ask questions. And it started from a really young age, right? We're in class and we don't want to be singled out. So no one raises their hands to ask anything. And maybe you did. And then everyone laughed at you. So then you learn from a really young age that you got to suppress your voice and that you can't ask things. And then like, people are so fucking afraid to ask questions because they're so afraid of judgment and rejection. Mm -hmm. And I really learned this I want to say a couple of years ago. So prior to uh, in between that, while I was starting my business, I was something called a brand ambassador. So I was working for multiple marketing companies and I represented over 70 different brands. I marketed Mercedes, Volkswagen, Smirnoff, like major brands. And I was kind of the face of the brand, like the, the girl that you would see giving out free t-shirts and, and educating mm-hmm. you on the brand. And I will be honest, within those two years, I'm pretty sure I heard no and rejection over 5,000 times. Because when you're spending 12 hours a day asking people if they want a free t-shirt, like maybe a small percentage of people actually be yes. Everyone will be like, no, thanks. Some people were nice and some people were totally like assholes to me. But I think from that, that conditioned me to being like, you know, it's okay to ask questions. And the worst thing that someone can say is no. And at least then you can say that you've tried, but in this Mm -hmm. day and age, so many people are too afraid. So they won't ask questions if they need something, they won't ask questions Mm -hmm. if they're confused about something, they won't ask questions if they need clarity on something. And that is the problem. 
Oh man, that was so powerful. And I was thinking of so many scenarios where I have seen that happen where, you know, people rather do extra work than to just be direct and being direct has been, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a dirty word, but it's been, it's, it's now being taken as a form of disrespect now. And it goes back to, you know, being in school where we are told, you know, be nice, be polite. It's, it's almost ingrained to be overly concerned about feeling. Sometimes people need to have love or sometimes you're just direct because maybe you don't like something. And that gets taken as, oh, well, you're a hater or, oh, how dare you? So now people don't want to ask questions. And when they do, they don't want to be direct sometimes because they don't, as you said, they don't want to be singled out. They don't want to look weird or crazy. But the thing is, the people who have become wildly successful, they look crazy, <laughs> especially in the beginning. They're doing all these things to put them in a position to where they want to be. And I believe that people look at it with uh, a nearsighted perspective as opposed to the the far side, like the full picture. You know, ask questions now, get a little bit uncomfortable now so you won't have these wounds and traumas you know, going into the next decade and then unfortunately your children. Mm -hmm. And like through generational trauma and what, what we learn is that traumas can be passed down. So if you've lived your entire life suppressing your voice because you're afraid of speaking up and afraid of what people will say, you are literally passing that on to your children, right? Your children are going to mimic exactly what you do. So if you're afraid to speak up for yourself and your children grow up watching you step down when you're, when your husband or your partner is abusing you or stepping all over you and they just see you constantly like step down and kind of like hide away what are they going to know to do? Oh, well, if mom does that or dad does that, then I guess it's okay for me to like step down. And now we're creating generations of people Mm. who are not willing to stand up for themselves. And that's the problem that we're seeing now, right? There's so much oppression going on. There's so much like control and people behind the scenes are very loud, right? To their friends and their family. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't believe in this and this is blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes time for them to actually speak up, they'll rather just like hide and not say anything. And that I think creates so much damage because that is what creates disempowerment. And as human beings, when we're disempowered, we do some fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like all humanity within goes out the window. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But it's like, if you just learn to, and, and the way that I think of it is maybe less about being like, Oh, I have to be direct. And more about just being honest, because Mm. if we're truly just honest, right, honesty hurts sometimes, and that's okay. And I always say honesty, but what comes from the heart goes to the heart. And this happens Mm -hmm. in every area of life. Like, we are so afraid to ask our partners for what we need, because we're afraid of what they're going to say. But there's a difference between being like, hey, babe, I really miss you. And I'm just like, I, I need some time to like cuddle with you because I just haven't seen you all day versus like, you never spend any time with me. There is a mm. difference, right? We're not mm-hmm. being honest. So then when we actually think that we're asking for something, it becomes more of a fucking command and blame mm-hmm. than it actually comes from being like, hey, I just really miss you, you know? 
Wow. Yes, that was so powerful. What a great example. You're right. Because it's, I need to mask my emotions because I don't want to look weak and vulnerable and all that. Wow. Wow. And that's why I'm I'm so glad that you're here. And so another thing (laughs) that blew my mind during, during your session was how you explained how generational trauma gets passed down, even when our parents are in our grandmother's belly. Can can you yeah. talk talk about about that? Because I I thought that was just mind blowing. Yeah. Okay. So for everyone who's listening right now, I just want you to close your eyes for a second, and I just want you to envision like a cartoon picture of your 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 grandma who is pregnant. Who, and while she was five months pregnant with your mom, so the baby that's inside of your grandma's belly, the precursor cell of the egg that you developed from was preg- present in your mom's ovaries, which means that the three of you guys, your grandma, your mom, and you shared the same biological environment at one point in time. So what that means is that let's say if you're like me and your grandma lived in communist Vietnam, or she uh, was in a war-torn country, or she grew up in an underdeveloped country, and maybe your grandpa was drinking all the time, or your grandpa was cheating, or you guys were, they were struggling financially. That stress that your grandma was experiencing directly can, uh, that trauma can be passed down to your mom, which then you can inherit. So through epigenetics, we've learned, and this is generational trauma, ancestral trauma, inherited family trauma. They're really all the same thing. And it's the basis that we can inherit the biological residues from the traumatic events in our family history. And trauma can vary in types and intensities. It doesn't always have to be big things like murder, suicide, rape. It could really be as simple as, wow, grandma was just really stressed all the time and and chronic stress that can be, you know, trauma. And so the idea behind that is that in our DNA, we are always talking about something called chromosomal DNA, which is like you and I having similar hair color as our parents and, you know, physical traits like eye color, skin color, that, but that's actually only 2% of our total DNA. The other 98% is what we call non-coding DNA. And that's actually our personality traits, our behaviors, our characteristics, um, emotional traits. So those are the things that kind of can be passed down. And this non-coding DNA can be influenced and affected by environmental stressors, toxins, um, inadequate nutrition. So you could see even the tiniest of things that affect even up to our grandma can be passed down to us. So what this means is that this trauma that we've inherited, we can, if we're not put in the best, I guess, like most environment, um, emotionally safe environment, that trauma can, I guess, like be birthed if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. So studies have shown that if one of our parents experience PTSD, then we are actually three times more likely to experience the symptoms of PTSD, like depression and anxiety. So I hope that that made sense. I'm like, I kind of just threw a lot of words out there. No, it it, it was making a lot of sense because, <clears throat> excuse me, I was thinking about when my grandmother was born, 1937. So this is just a couple, a few years after the Great Depression. 
So I know as a child, you know, she picked up on some, some things from her parent or parents. And I can only imagine growing up the, the thought process with money. She was one of seven kids. I'm sorry, one of five kids and, you know, pregnant with my mom. So I, I can only imagine. And I have the wheels turning in my mind right now because I know I used to have this feeling of I need to keep money on me in case I need to leave the country. I can't tell you where <laughs> that wow. feeling came from. But for the longest, I, I even remember <clears throat> as a young kid and even early adult, I would tell my pop, yeah, you know, and then I would go live in Switzerland. Like, I don't know why I picked Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> but I just had this all mapped out. And it's funny because I have no reason to think, oh, I need to keep this money. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't, don't want to spend anything, even though I know I need to spend the money for something. But what if I need it? Like, what if I need to, to go somewhere? What if I need that? So that's yeah. really interesting. That literally proves just how deep this shit goes. <laughs> right? Crazy. Right? And yeah. Oh, you got it. No, no, no. I was just, um, while you're talking about this, like financial trauma is one of the major things that we see getting passed down. Like I think studies have shown that, um, I can't remember the number, but I think it was like a, a, a really big percentage of millennials actually have inherited financial trauma, especially due to the recession that our parents mm-hmm. experienced. So the financial trauma gets pro- passed down and literally what you shared, I mean, I, I didn't, I've never had thought of like, okay, I need to keep money in case I need to leave the country. But, you know, one of my grandparents, because of living in communist Vietnam, the government owns everything. So when North Vietnam took over South Vietnam, and it became a communist um, state, they actually met up with my they set up a meeting with my grandpa, which my grandpa thought, you know, it's cool, like, we're just gonna have a talk about business. That was the last time that my family saw him for 12 years. They took his business, took all of his money, shoved him behind bars. And that was that. And for most of my life, I mean, I've been working since I was 13. I was a babysitter and at 16 years old, I was actually working at a leather store and it was a commission-based job. So I was 16 years old in high school, working close to 30 hours a week. I was selling $900 leather jackets, probably made more than most 16 year olds would. And yet I never, ever could keep my money, even when I was in business and Mm -hmm. I was having like $50,000 launches and multiple six figure years. Mm -hmm. I have never had a savings account. I literally could not tell you why it felt like I never had anything to show for it. And it wasn't until I started doing generational trauma work that I was like, holy shit, I've had this subconscious self-sabotaging behavior because subconsciously, I believe that if I don't spend all my money, someone is going to take it away just Mm. like what they did to my grandpa. Mm. Look at that. Mm. Mm. So everyone, (laughs) you and I are just like, "Mm." I know we're just like, (laughs) (laughs) so everyone listening. Y'all have homework. <laughs> all right. So check all if 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 unfortunately your grandparents aren't around, ask your parents, as your your aunties, your uncles, start asking around. And I, I will say this. So I also started asking my uncle. So out of my my grandmother's siblings, there are only two now that are still living and I was asking my uncle about just the family history and what I also learned was that 
there are a, a lot of my family members who have served in the military. And my mom, you know, she she was a civilian in the military. So it's just, I come from a strong military family as well. So, you know, it's it's really important to understand that because it gives even more insight into who you are and uh, your interests. And also pretty much your fears as we've been talking about, you know, start, start asking yourself, why do I feel this way? And I don't have a reason to most likely it's generational trauma. (laughs) Yeah. I would say nine times out of 10, like I've been a personal trainer, a fitness coach, business coach, and any time a hundred percent of the clients who I've worked with that have had challenges or struggles of any kind, a hundred percent it's been boiled back down to inner child inner child wounds which come from generational trauma so the two go hand in hand together Mm -hmm. wow so when when you led us through that meditation and and so lola and i were cracking up because it started to thunderstorm and everyone thought that was part (laughs) of the meditation (laughs) music we all loved it but when we went outside after their break like oh shit and that was actually thundering (laughs) but it was so perfect perfect I can't even talk I had these brackets on the back of my teeth and I'm sorry it's just perfect (laughs) there we go I have a Philly accent a South Philly accent brackets on the back of my teeth and I'm and I'm trying to pronounce words right like water is water I pronounce it w-o-o-d-e-r so it's never going to be perfect English ever So <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> and what I saw was my four-year-old me when I was going to the academy and I had on my, my red outfit and the and like the little version of Tia ran up to me, gave me a hug. And she, she told me, remember when you thought you can do it all and you did because you played a lot in between and that's why you were able to do it all. You're not playing, playing enough. Like you got to, get back to that and then you can do it all and that made me teary-eyed because I was the kid in class who doodled I still paid attention but I do like I always had this huge creative side always wanting to daydream and I haven't been doing that as much but I also didn't realize that so I had to do even more check-ins with myself than I realized and so I'm saying that because it really ties into what, what you talk about, that discovering your soul purpose and activating your voice. So how do you stay aligned so that way your, your soul purpose is intact and, you know, you aren't turning your voice down in different situations? Yeah. Um, wait, wait, sorry, you cut off for a second. Did you ask, <clears throat> what do I do? Oh, yeah. Uh, so what what do you do to keep yourself centered so that way your, your sole purpose is intact and then you also don't turn your voice down in different situations? Yeah. Okay. So I, okay, there, this is an amazing question. And I think sometimes it's so easy for us to like, oh, like this worked for Tia, this worked for Evelyn, and then people try to recreate it. So I just want to put a disclaimer out there. You know, anything that we share on here, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something that works better for you. So take what resonates, shift it if you need to. 
but what works for me is might not work for you. And if it doesn't, that's great. But I think sometimes we hold ourselves, we actually hold ourselves back because we try to follow someone else's exact plan and then it doesn't work for us. And then we think, well, I'm a failure. This is not going to work for me. So mm-hmm. as a coach myself, I will tell you what's worked for me. And then I'll also help you kind of make the tweaks that you need so that it works better for you. So I will say, Something that I believe is a non-negotiable for also it's four, four, four right now. So I feel like spirit is like, this is what they need to hear. Um, So a non-negotiable that I believe is for every single person. When you wake up being intentional about your morning routine, whatever that Mm -hmm. looks like for you, if you're a mom, maybe that's going to be like 10 minutes. If maybe you're an entrepreneur, you have a little bit more time. Maybe that will be an hour. So that time Mm -hmm. is relative to your lifestyle. In this morning routine, what's really important is that within the first like hour of your day, and if you're a mom, it might just be like the first half hour, uh, first half hour, do not, and okay, not do not your touch your phone, refrain from touching your phone, mm-hmm. focus on you before you touch your phone. This is the time when our subconscious mind is the most impressionable right? So the information that you are coming across will literally be programmed straight to your subconscious mind. And that's how the rest of your day goes. Haven't you ever noticed that when you start your day looking at social media, all of a sudden, it's almost like you're just cranky the rest of the day, you feel like Mm -hmm. shit about yourself. But those moments where you wake up, you like maybe go slow, you like put on like some good music, you drink your coffee, maybe you go on a walk or go to the gym. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you feel like a boss bitch. You're like, I got this. That's why. So one, refrain from using your phone right when you wake up, go and do something for you. So for me, I really love to like pull Oracle cards or tarot cards. Um, I will sit in meditation, um, I might even like go work out before I touch my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I give myself like a good 30 minutes to hour where it's just Evelyn, like me, myself, and I, like me, mm-hmm. myself, and I with no outside influences. And this is even if you're living with a partner, like your partner does not get you at this time. It's you, like you walk mm-hmm. into a different room or you get them to go to a different room. So that's like number one, because that is where you actually connect with yourself right? Because at every other moment of every other day, we are giving ourselves to other people. We're giving ourselves mm-hmm. to social media. We're giving ourselves to our client, to our employer, to our business, um, to our business, our parents, our kids, our, our spouse. We have no time for ourselves. So morning routine is number one. And the number two, which honestly I need to do a better job of is your nighttime routine, right? Same thing that hour before bed, try to not be on your phone. Put, I actually charge my phone away from my bed and not be on social media. Utilize that time to, you know, read a book, watch um, like a documentary or watch something that excites you or listen mm-hmm. to a podcast or do whatever it may be. But the morning and the night right before and after bedtime, that needs to be you time. Yes, yes. I do very similar things. I open up my window, get fresh air, which I'm loving now because it's early September, that early fall breeze. Mm -hmm. I brew coffee and I even, so I bought the um, Freak Ritual uh, product. So I have my, uh, my, uh, oil that I put in there and my coffee. Oh, yes. 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 And I spray that, uh, mist and yeah. And, and I sit 
with my thoughts for a while. Sometimes I'll play music. Sometimes I have motivational, you know, stuff on YouTube or something like that. But I do enjoy a nice, casual, easy morning. At nighttime, I'm a night owl. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that varies, you know, depending on the full moon and all that jazz. So, yeah, that is so important. I'm so glad that you touched on on both the nighttime and daytime uh, rituals. Yes. Oh, and journaling. That I forgot mm. to do some probably the most important piece because thoughts are great when we're just spending time with it, but actually getting our thoughts out from our brains and out mm. in the open. So whether mm-hmm. that's you writing it down. So I write it down and I also need to talk it out. So in my best states, I will be outside in nature and I will literally, I look like a crazy person, but I will just talk to trees. I will just talk out loud because we don't reckon, we don't realize how many downloads and how healing it is to Mm -hmm. get things out of on, out of your brain out, out just in the open. So I'll actually even turn on my voice note, like my audio recording, and I'll just record myself, not going to share it anywhere, but it's just for me, myself and I. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Love that. So I know we covered a lot, but any final words? (laughs) Oh, dude, the final words that I say is just like, you're so fucking enough. Like Mm -hmm. you are enough as you are. You are a magical human being with everything that you have ever experienced. I know that for some of you, it might be so easy to want to run away from your past because maybe you've experienced some not so great things, but our past, our family history and everything we've ever experienced, the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly is what makes us who we are today. And we cannot be proud of who we are and move forward with our lives if we don't own and accept all parts of us. So Mm -hmm. If that's you, just know that you're not broken, you're enough, and you have everything that you need to succeed. And I love you. Oh, I love that. That was a sermon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. So many great nuggets. People have homework to do now. Love it. Thank you again. Everyone listening, I'm sending you lots of love, many blessings. You know, I'm rooting for you. Be kind to yourself. Until next time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, Magical One. Let's keep in touch. Join the VIP email list by going to tmariejohnson.com. And as always, I'm sending you lots of love, many blessings. I'm rooting for you. And remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time.